you'll get the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. I have to start with a scripture. This just came to my mind. Um, before I went all through this cancer, breast cancer, I went to doing this stuff. And Lori was there and said, Romans thirteen seventeen, For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And uh, that hit home to me because when I start going through this, I start praying scripture over myself. And I didn't realize the kingdom of God is now. Claim it. Um, But on January 2nd, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, and I went in for a biopsy. I had went through several other tests, but went in for this biopsy. And at the time, when you have a biopsy, they place titanium markers where the cancer is and where it is in your lymph node. So uh, the doctor explained that I would be going through a chemotherapy, then surgery, and then radiation. So in the meantime, I'm not a very quiet person, but I told every person I knew, I don't care if it was the guy from Time Warner, guy changing my tire, I went to Kroger's, I've been told I got breast cancer. Pray for me. I don't know who you are, but pray for me. So these people... Uh, Well, the one that got me was my uncle who was 80-some years old, and he says, I haven't prayed for 70 years. And he says, but since it's you, I'm going to (laughs) pray. So he's praying. Um, February 1st was my first chemo treatment. And um, went in and, um, you know, it just went through the normal chemo. I didn't have any side effects the whole chemo treatment that I went through for the 16 weeks. But then on uh, February 25th, I went in to the doctor and the tumor had shrunk from a 3.5 to a 1.1. And I'm going, praise the Lord, hallelujah. My daughter-in-law's sitting there thinking I'm a nutcase, but then my doctor says, oh, I do believe in prayer. Well, February 27th, I was praying, and um, the Lord spoke to me and said, you tell Dr. Diehouse to pray for you. And I'm arguing with God, you know, God, you don't tell your doctor what to do. You know, and he said, you tell Dr. Diehouse. Well, I went in and I said, Dr. Diehouse, the Lord spoke to me, and I'm supposed to tell you to pray for me. And she looked at me real strange. She says, you don't know me, do you? And I go, well, I don't know anything about you. And she goes, I'm going to a class right now at my church, and it's learning to bring prayer into the workplace. (laughs) And I says, well, I go to the Vineyard Church, and we spell faith R-I-S-K. And I took a risk and told you to to pray for me. So since then, we've been praying all the time when I go for my visits. And uh, another time I argued with God was went for a chemo treatment and went into the office. It was completely packed. And the Lord says, pray for that lady in the wheelchair. And I'm going, Lord, this whole place is packed. No seats. I'm not going to do that. And so I sat there. All of a sudden, within 15 minutes, every person was out of that office, and it was just me and her. So I went over and I says, I know you don't know me, but the Lord spoke to me and told me to pray for you. So we prayed. Um, And as Wilson knows, it's easier to get people to pray for when you go into a doctor's office or to the emergency room. You know, it's real easy then. Well, as I progressed, the, the next week I went back after having her pray for me, and the tumor was gone. She goes, I can't feel the tumor. And I'm going, hallelujah, praise the Lord again. And my daughter-in-law sitting there crying. And we were just so excited that God would do this. So then I went in for an MRI right after that, halfway between my uh, chemotherapy. 
And the girl took it, and she goes, I can't find this on the MRI. It's, it's gone. So, um, so I went in for, I was going in for surgery. Don't ask me what they were going to remove, but I didn't see a tumor, and they didn't see a tumor. But I went in, they do a sonogram before you go in for the surgery. And the surgery was was like the next day. And uh, I go in and laying on the table and this nurse is doing a sonogram. And she kept going around. And this is usually a 15-minute test and you're out of there. And uh, I'm laughing in my spirit. I thought, my neighbor and I prayed that these titanium markers would be gone (laughs) and we laughed about it out in the parking lot we go our god can do anything you know so here they are she's looking for this titanium marker and she goes uh you'll have to wait a minute i'm from fairfield i'm gonna go get the other nurse i thought what's fairfield got to do with this (laughs) so here the other nurse comes in and they said let's pull up the records from the last time and by then, I'm going, let me tell you. And, she, and I'm laughing. I said, you can't find the markers, can you? She goes, no, we can't find the markers. <laughs> and I'm going, praise the Lord again. And she says, wait a minute, let me go out and get the radiologist. Well, this test, which was supposed to be like 15 minutes, was over an hour now. I backed up the whole office. <laughs> and so with that, the radiologist says, just go send her into the surgeon. Just get rid of her. <laughs> so I went in and, um, th- you know, went in, had surgery. And I said, what did you remove? Well, there was scar tissue from where these, the tumor was. And then they removed lymph nodes. And all I ever prayed for was, Lord, don't let me lose raising my hand and praising you. So... He has not taken that away from me. The enemy is not going to take that away. So um, that has been my story that he is just awesome. And my joy in the spirit is what he's done for me. And I praise him for it all. Stay, stay for just a second. I am not a preacher's kid. My stepfather, who I lived with, I was raised in a bar in Price Hill. So I was, <laughs> it's just plain old me. And the Lord did that for me. And one day when Van was teaching, Keep this right here, okay, so they can hear you. the Lord, I said, Lord, I am so thankful that you did this for me. I don't deserve it or anything. And, you know, it's just that I got to get my story out, and that's what you want me to do. And he goes, I love you. And that's what he's telling us. He loves us. Isn't that awesome? That's so awesome. Thank you. Blessings. We bless you in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's pretty amazing. Um, Andrea told me earlier she was thinking that God did this in order to show the doctors, in order to show other family members and other friends, in order to be glorified through all that. And he spoke to her and said, no, I did this because I love you. And uh, so everyone else, they're just collateral blessings. You know, God, God wants to bless you. And yeah, he's going to get glory by blessing you. He wants to heal you, and he gets glory by healing you. And everybody else that, that, that experiences that and glorifies God because of it, that's just like the collateral blessing. It just splashes out onto them too. So uh, let's just pray right now, okay? How many people here right now need physical healing? Okay. All right, we're going to pray, and then we're just going to see you know, what God does. Uh, well, let me ask this first. Has anybody already received healing, just hearing... Andrea's story. Okay, let's pray, all right? So, Father, um, we're so thankful that you love us, and 
We, I just ask right now, Holy Spirit, you're the one who pours out the love of God into our hearts. And so release a revelation of the intensity of the Father's love for every person in this room. More, increase more, Lord, more. Yeah, now flowing through your love, Father, just for every person who needs physical healing right now, release healing. We invite you, we welcome you to do that, and we speak healing right now in Jesus' name over everyone in this room. Heal ankles and heal problems with uh, people's lower uh, digestive tract and system. We speak that healing right now. And we ask you to heal problems with ears right now. Heal problems with arms and elbows. Right now, in Jesus' name, we invite you to do that. Release your kingdom, Father. All right. So let's check and see right now. Um, Anybody right there, just as we prayed, something was healed. Yeah, check it out. Check it out, okay? If you had pain... Do whatever you had to do before to cause the pain, okay? Would you do that? You can stand up and do it if you want to. Um, Just check it out. Don't be embarrassed. No one's looking. Well, everyone's looking at you, but... (laughs) Don't be embarrassed anyway. (laughs) All right. Anybody? Anybody uh, have anything to report? Anybody experience... What's the percentage we go for first? 60%. Anybody 60% better? Like your pain was a 10 before and it's down to a 6 now. Or your mobility or stiffness or whatever it was. Anybody? Okay, over here. Uh, both of you? or Okay. Uh, what was it? What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Awesome. Great. Praise God that you got that much healing. And um, someone around there, just put your hand on the shoulder and invite God's presence. Jan, yeah, just, just do that and release healing there right now. Okay, anybody else? Anybody else have any, uh, any, any significant back here? Yes. I'd say about 60%. Awesome. In your back or your neck or? Great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, A couple of you turn around and pray for the rest of that. The rest of the stiffness to be gone. Okay, anyone else? Pardon me? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're significantly better. Awesome, awesome. Well, we're going to pray for more of that too. Someone around here, a couple of you, come and um, and you know Jesus said that we're to, to speak to the mountain and say, "Be moved." So pray with authority, command the pain to be gone, and the everything that needs to be healed to be healed there. Okay. Anyone else? All right, back here. Yeah, thanks. Hmm. And I didn't know it 
Awesome. Awesome. That's awesome, Jeff. Thank you, man. Cool. Thank you for sharing that. Any others? All right. Well, as we wrap up these prayer times here, um, we uh, are going to continue our lessons tonight on our identity in Christ and uh, have a special speaker tonight, Amanda Patton. And uh, you thought I was going to use your old name a bit, didn't you? But um, Amanda and Phil just got married in January, so uh, yeah. So as of January, this is Amanda, Mrs. Amanda Patton. So Amanda, uh, come and give us the teaching God's given to you for tonight. Thanks, man. Yeah, I was thinking before when I was getting everything ready that this is the first time I've been on the stage teaching with a different last name. The last time I did this was in 2015, which was before our wedding. So... Uh oh, how's it going up here? How's it going right here for Gary? Is his knees better? Cool. Okay. So I'm going to get started. Um, it's really awesome to be here, you guys. It's great to see everyone. Has everyone been coming? Who's been here for like two or more times for the midweek series? Wow, awesome. Cool. Um, and so it's been great to come here, stuff on Wednesdays, and also on Sunday morning, be learning a lot about our identity. And I love what Van and what Andrea were saying about just God just loves us. Jesus loves us. That's what we're just learning. And that's why he does this stuff to bless us and to remind us that he loves us. And so that's the basis of everything we've been talking about and understanding. And so that's what I'm going to talk about a little bit tonight. Um, But last week, before we move on last week, John Camp spoke, my really good friend that I actually went to high school with. I've known him for a long time, seen a lot of that transformation in his life. Um, But he talked a lot about humility and how when we decide to honor others and to honor God, that it just opens up a new way for God to work in our lives. And just by honoring each other, how that, um, yeah, how we can grow in that and how that is who we are. That's at the core of who God is and that's at the core of who we are. So that's been really awesome. And I love when Cheryl was here a couple weeks ago, and she did the, um, the Lectio Divina, the thing where we were reading the passages. That's a great tool for us to use to connect with God in a different way. And I um, loved when my friend Jennifer spoke and talked about the internal versus external change, how we like, have to work on our internal stuff before we see external fruit and results of what that is. So this has been awesome. If you guys have been taking notes and it kind of feels like we're going at like warp speed um, after the series is over, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff to go back through and digest and process with God. So tonight I want to talk about spiritual growth. So we are kind of ending this series, getting closer to the end. And what happens next after this? Like we have been growing spiritually, but this is, we want to understand spiritual growth and want to continue to grow in our identity and the truths about God and the truths about who we are. So I want to talk about what that means and how we can step into it. And the goal for tonight is that we can learn to stop taking our circumstances as who we are and as who God is and learn to start defining our circumstances by what we know about who God is and what we know about who we are. Um, and so I'm just going to share a story that I think kind of illustrates that a little bit, a fun story. Um, but like Van said, we got married in January, this January, but a year ago in January, Will and Jennifer, two of my really good friends, got married here as well. Um, we both, we all got married on the same stage, but weddings are so fun, like prepping for weddings and doing all the parties and getting gifts and seeing all of your friends and family that you don't always see like all in one place throughout the time. It's so fun. And there's so many fun stories that we have from all these different weddings. But, um, so Jennifer had a rehearsal dinner that Van and Lori put on and it was so awesome. And the little take home gift after the rehearsal dinner was many bottles of champagne because it was at, um, it was on New Year's Eve, an awesome rehearsal dinner night. So We realized, I don't know if Lori knows all of this, but we realized at the end of the rehearsal dinner, like, man, a lot of people didn't take all the champagne. What's going to happen to the champagne? So we just thought, oh, let's, like, the bridesmaids were like, let's just help Jennifer. We can take some champagne and we can make mimosas, like champagne and juice and orange juice, on the morning of the wedding as we're getting married, like this is, or as she's getting ready to get married. This is a great idea. So we had, like, our bags and, like, put all these extra bottles in our bag. So thanks, Lori and Van. Um, (laughs) 
But um, Sanjay, you can throw the first picture up. Um, so this is the mor- this is in Jen and Will's house the morning of the wedding. I'm pouring all these mimosas, and we had leftover um, like plastic champagne flutes from Jennifer's bachelorette party. So everything was just perfect. You know, we had all these things. So pouring all these, and I'm like really feeling empowered. Like I've I just had. I'm only 23, so I haven't really been, you know, like mixing drinks for very long, or I don't even know anything about that. This is like equal parts, like half and half is not really that hard. Um, so <laughs> I was like making all these, like 10 of them for the 10 girls that were there getting ready and everything like that. And so I was like, wow, when I'm like bringing this tray, this nice tray, and to everybody getting ready, I'm just like, wow, I should be a bartender, you guys. I'm great at this. And literally right as I said that, you can put the next picture up. Something happened, and they all flew. They just, they just fell everywhere. And they all, all the juice was everywhere, all the champagne. We didn't have any more champagne or any more orange juice after that. And so after I dropped all of them, I realized, all right, I'm actually not going to be a bartender, not going to pursue that, maybe not even a waitress ever. Um, and so thankfully the photographer was there, the, the real photographer, and caught everything. But that was unintentional, did not mean to make the floor sticky the morning of the wedding. Um, but when I was thinking about this, I realized that in that moment, I was like, wow, I'm doing a great job at this. I can be a bartender. And then right when my circumstance changed, I decided to change. Okay. I can't do that. I'm not going to be a bartender. So I let the circumstance kind of alter my perception of who I was in that moment. And obviously that's not a super serious way, but that's kind of what the goal is when, as we're all growing in this understanding of identity and understanding who God is, that when circumstances do change, that that's not going to make us think that, oh, we're not on the track to our destiny now of realizing our identity and growing closer to Jesus and who he is and knowing who he is. So we're going to look at a couple of scriptures to start. So if you want to turn to Romans 8 and put a little marker in Ephesians 1, we're going to look at both of those first. So Romans 8 and Ephesians 1. So Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. In order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. We're going to skip to verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? So in this verse, it's saying, God is saying that he has predestined our identity as being his son. And we are also on the journey of being conformed into the image of Jesus. So this is our destiny that he's given us. And we are continually being conformed into his image. And if God is for us, then... What, what can stand against this identity, this destiny that he's given us? And I think this is kind of like having a family and having a kid. When your child is born, they're, okay, they're destined to be your son. But as they're being conformed into the image of what it's like to be a son in that family, they're growing and learning how someone in that family behaves, what the expectations are. And I think that's kind of what this verse is saying, the path that we're on. We are already, we already have this identity We are free sons and daughters of God, but we're learning what it's like to continually look more like Jesus and to continually allow our minds and hearts to be renewed, to step into that. So in Ephesians 1, Ephesians 1, 4, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. So this is saying the same thing, that God's will is for us to be with, to be the same as Jesus, to be um, seen as his son, as Jesus, before the foundation of the world. And um, I didn't put all the verses up there, but also he's chosen us to be holy and blameless. This is the... The identity that Jesus has is holy and blameless. And so that, if we're having the same identity as Jesus, that's what he's calling us to. And so as we learn what it is 
to grow spiritually, what spiritual growth is. I think a lot of it is knowing that this is our identity and continuing to step in and walk in and live out what it looks like to continue to grow to look what, like Jesus looked and think like Jesus thought and understand more of what that's like. And so, like it said in Romans, if our identity, if this is our identity and this is our destiny, then there's nothing that can derail that. And so that's what we're trying to understand. How, so our circumstances, our situations aren't changing that, aren't changing our destiny, aren't changing our identity. Nothing can derail that. And so I'm sure like the past couple weeks through Sunday, through Sunday services here or on other Wednesday nights, um, that there have been little ideas or insights about our identity that have completely kind of like wrecked us or like blown our mind of like, wow, this is, I was not even realizing that this is true about me or this is true about what God's promised me. And that's just a little plug for School of Kingdom Ministry. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about is kind of adapted from Putty Putman's School of Kingdom Ministry chapter on identity. And so if you haven't done School of Kingdom Ministry, you totally should. It'll continue to blow your mind even more. But we want to take these things that have, like, these ideas that we've learned. Wow, this is, like, crazy. I know this now. I understand this. I've learned this. And then begin to, like, let it change who we are and let it change what, how we're living day to day. And so that's what I kind of think spiritual growth is. And so just quickly to kind of say what I don't, what maybe isn't spiritual growth or what isn't a priority in spiritual growth. Um, so just two things. Spiritual growth is not just growth for the sake of growth. Spiritual growth is growth for a bigger purpose, a bigger plan. It's to grow, it's growing for the kingdom. When we, like Van was talking about, like when God heals us, when God impacts us, it's blessing us because he loves us, but it's also bringing him glory. So when we grow, it's not for the sake of growth, it's for the sake of the kingdom. It's for the sake of on earth as it is in heaven. We want Coleraine and Cincinnati and earth to look more like heaven than like hell. Um, So what would it look like if there were millions of sons and daughters of God in the world that truly had this revelation and understanding of their identity and were living it out every day? How would that change things? And so that's what, that's what, I think that's the purpose of growth. We're growing for the kingdom. We're learning that we're already free and growing for that. We're not just growing in order to do more spiritual practices or check off more things or have more knowledge about scripture or something like that. The second thing that I think spiritual growth is not, spiritual growth is not focused on progress over process. When we're in this, when we're going through this, when we're growing, it's so much about the process. Whatever God is taking us through, whatever thing he's doing in our mind or doing in our heart is going to take time. And along the way, he's going to show us new things about who he is and about ourselves. Even if it's just one truth that we're learning I'm free. There's going to be a million things along the way that he teaches us about that truth. And so it's not just growth for, um, for growing, for showing progress. So Sanjay's going to put some other pictures up, please. So this, excuse the dog paw in the photo, but this area of land right here, you kind of can't, you don't see anything really happening. It's just dirt, right? So nothing, you can't see anything growing. Go to the next picture. There's clearly things growing. And in the first picture, the picture, you can't really see the process that's happening. And it just looks like, oh, if I was just calling that, that's a patch of dirt. Nothing's happening there. But what we don't know is that there are seeds under the ground that are eventually going to grow up into something, grow up into a bush of flowers or a plant or something. And then the second picture, if we're looking at that, man, that, is, that plant's doing great. It's growing. But that's just a patch of weeds in our front yard. Like, that's not any growth that's substantial or that means anything or that is beautiful. And so that's, I think that's why we really need to focus on the process of growth over what we see, what's the progress. So in James 1, 5, um, it says, For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. So the endurance, so it says our endurance is developing as we're growing and let it grow. So we want the process to happen. We want to like give time for that to happen and not just focus on the end result. What are we seeing above the ground? Um, and that leads to us being complete. That leads to us having a deeper understanding of who we are. So during this series, 
we have learned the importance of our identity being written on who we are, that that's a core value that we need to have of knowing who we are, knowing who God is. And it comes from allowing Jesus to show us the truth about who we really are. Um, We've learned what our identity is, but we really want to have that, make sure that's on the core of who we are, written on our heart. And in Philippians, um, it says, okay. (laughs) In Philippians 2, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Trembling. So that continue to work out your salvation is the, okay, now we're continuing, we're growing in this always, we're stepping forward, we're taking steps, we're taking steps. And this honestly makes me think about playing a sport with like continuing to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know if anyone's been involved in like kind of like maybe a varsity level sport or something like that, where you are at times have some fear and trembling in yourself about what your coach is going to make you do. Like if you had a bad practice or someone on your team got out of detention or you lost really bad and didn't perform well, as you're working out, as you're doing that, there's definitely, and as you're figuring out how do I do better, how do I improve, there's definitely some like, I don't know what's coming next, fear and trembling. So um, yeah, when our working out of our salvation, that takes work, just like it takes work to grow in a sport, to grow in um, working hard and to understanding what our next step needs to be. But in that, I think that an idea that Putty brought up is that faith and grace work in tandem as we're doing this. And so what I mean by that is, so we all, when we have faith in Jesus, so we, um, it says in um, Ephesians that faith in, or for by grace you have been saved through faith. So we have been, we have been saved by grace through faith, through our faith in Jesus, his grace has saved us. So I think so grace and faith are working are coinciding right now as we're understanding our um, as when we became a Christian, when we understood that Jesus loves us and that we're accepting him into our life. And so faith provides a channel for grace to flow through and change us. Because Ephesians says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. So grace is coming through faith. And so when we grow and our mind is renewed, there's grace that is being accessed through faith to help us to let these truths and revelations really permeate who we are. Um, so this is for everyone. We all, have, we all have faith. We all have the grace that Jesus is giving us to grow in our identity. And so our mind is renewed by grace. But what does that mean that our mind is renewed by grace? When we learn more about our identity and when we have a revelation... It's more than just us receiving new information. So if we're receiving new information, that could be, new information could be anything. It, couldn't necess- it wouldn't necessarily be about our identity. We could receive new information about the best way to take to get to a certain location. What's the quickest route here? Or we could receive information about like the history of our family. Or we could receive information about something that we need to do at work. Or we could receive information about God. We could know, okay, this is, this is God. This is what he did. But when we have grace on that information, it becomes revelation. Because God is letting that, God's taking that to a deeper level to permeate who we are. And for it to really make sense to us. For it to really sink in and then begin to change us. So the grace is what allows the understanding to change us. Just knowing it isn't enough. We need the revelation of who God is and who we are in order to live that out in a changed and a renewed lifestyle where our mind is changed and renewed. And there's more than enough grace. The Bible says that we have grace upon grace. So we can continue to do this over and over and over and over again as we continue every day in life when we realize something new that we need to, we need our mind to be renewed about. Yeah, so one thing I love that Putty says, Putty says that knowledge releases information and it leads to education but revelation releases the heart capacity to live out what the mind is seeing. And so for me, that's realizing when I'm acting in a way or doing something that isn't really coinciding with my identity or I'm feeling a way that I know isn't true and then finding the root of that and then allowing God to tell me what the truth is and, and then accepting that as my reality. So we need to figure out how do we live out what our mind is seeing? 
How do we live out the revelation of our identity? That's, that's really what I think spiritual growth is, living out the revelation of our identity. So in 2 Corinthians 10, this is kind of how we're getting practical now. 2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So that's about, that's the truth. Whatever argument goes against the truth. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready in that. So the knowledge of God, that's the truth about who God is. And then make it obedient to Christ. The truth about Christ is the truth about who we are. So that's what we know about God, what we know about ourselves. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your, dis- once your obedience is complete. So that's saying that we have the power to demolish strongholds. And strongholds are like places of encampment that the enemy still thinks that he has control of. So we're, after like we already, like we can be saved and still have strongholds. We have Jesus in our life and still have places that the enemy thinks he has power. But it's not true. We just have to remind him that it's not true. <laughs> So we have to complete. So we have to understand that these things need to be flushed out and broken down. And I think we're all in the same boat here. We all have things that need to be flushed out and broken down that are not of God, that are in our minds or in our hearts. And so we're all in this process together. We're all going through this. So if you're taking notes, these are three things that I think need to happen as we're doing this. So first, we need to align our thoughts and our opinions with God's. So we have to recognize what is God, what is the enemy. And I'm going to elaborate on each of these, but I'm going to let you know the three ahead of time. So we need to align our thoughts and opinions with God's by recognizing what's him and what's the enemy. And then like the verse says, we need to take every thought captive. So we may have thoughts that are not yet in line with the truth about who God is and who we are, and we need to call that what it is, a lie, and figure out how to change it into a truth. And so by doing that, we replace it. The third thing is replace it. We replace the untrue thing with a truth. And we overload it with truth. And then it'll push out the lie. So first, aligning our thoughts with God's. How do we align our thoughts with God's thoughts? So doing this midweek is an awesome way to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. We're hearing a lot of different perspectives and a lot of different experiences of how people have grown in understanding their identity and who God is. So that's a great step. After this, one of the places that we can find God's thoughts is in the Bible. By reading scripture, that's an awesome place. God's thoughts are all over it, thankfully. So (laughs) you won't go wrong if you look there. Another way that we can know what God thinks is to talk to him. He's really easy to talk to. And if that sounds like something that is not super easy, that you feel like you're having like a conversation and not just one way or one way, you can just, I think a really awesome way that I like to grow in this is to start kind of just like journaling or like pretending like you're on a phone call or texting back and forth, like just like kind of like in your stream of consciousness, but knowing that, okay, God wants to talk to me. Holy Spirit's here and just Trusting that as you're asking questions, as you're hearing responses, that it's God. And um, obviously, if it lines up with what is true about God, then it is God speaking to us. Um, Another way that we can know more about um, characteristics of what God says and thinks is when we're worshiping. When we're worshiping, we're acknowledging that God is worthy of all of our praise. We're acknowledging that he's powerful. We're acknowledging that he's the one that's, um, I don't know what that song, that was a cool song, but that's like taking tears and turning them into something awesome, you know? Um, so we, when we're worshiping, we're getting our mindset with the true things about God and remembering those things. And there are a lot of other ways to do that. Those are just some of the ideas that I was thinking about. But we do, we need to, when we're, when we're doing this, as we're doing this, we need to align our thoughts with God's thoughts. Take every thought captive and replace the lies with truths. So the, last, so the first thing, align our thoughts with God's, take every thought captive, and then replace the lies with truths. So the last two parts of this, um, 
taking the thoughts captive and replacing them with truths. Was anyone at um, Sunday morning service when Nick Hunter was speaking a couple weeks ago? Yeah, he did an awesome job. There's a lot of people that weren't here. Cool, so I'll explain it. Um, he did an awesome job talking a lot about our relationship with Jesus and being his friend. So he spoke about um, a thing that a couple of us were doing around here. There's a couple called named Stephen Wendy Backland, and they have a ministry called Igniting Hope Ministries. And so if you're taking notes, also you should just write that down and look that up. They have amazing stuff on their website, ignitinghopeministries.org, or ignitinghope.org. Um, and so for the time of Lent, for the 40 days before Easter, they kind of put something out that anybody can join in and do with them called a positivity feast, negativity fast. And so for 40 days, you're focused on fasting negative things. So fasting negative thoughts or saying negative things or negative attitudes, negative media, anything like that. But as you're fasting those things, as you're kind of like highlighting the untruths, the lies, you're feasting on positivity. So you're replacing the lies with the truth continually. So during this fast, that was one of the places that I feel like they have some awesome stuff that you can just learn to live out your identity. And so this is a time that I really grew in learning and understanding by feasting on all this positivity that, wow, this is so practical that I can live out every day. I can declare, I can declare these things in the morning. I can accept these truths about my stuff, and it can carry over for 24 hours, and I can do this again, I can do this again. And it just felt so practical in doing this. So um, one of the things that they really taught, really teach about is about um, declarations. So has anybody done declarations before? We've kind of done them around here a little bit, but have you like ever? Yeah, okay, cool. So people have done that. So declarations are really just taking a truth that we know about God or that scripture has, um, or that's true about ourselves, and just saying it as a statement, kind of putting I in there, or we, or me, um, putting some personal pronouns in it, and stating it over our lives, or over situations, or over our days. Um, so there's, so I'm going to just say some declarations, and there's, we can have a thousand of these. We can make them about circum- certain situations in our life. They can be general, but I think it'd be cool if we just said some right now. Because as we're growing in this process, as we're understanding, okay, I'm learning more about my identity every day, there are so many times where I know these declarations are true, but I don't feel it in the moment, you know? Like, okay, I know this is the truth, that um, God is on my side, therefore I declare I cannot be discouraged or defeated. I know that, but in some situations, I feel discouraged or I feel defeated. But how many of you know that our feelings aren't the highest truth? Our emotions in a situation aren't the highest truth. God's truth is always the highest truth. So even when we're feeling those things, we can replace those feelings with truth. All right, so let's, I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say a portion, and then you say a portion. Sound good? So let's do that one. God is on my side. Therefore, I declare I cannot be discouraged or defeated. Yeah. Yeah. My faith is being strengthened to possess all that Jesus won for me. Everything we do is in heavenly abundance. We trust that we do not rely on our own paychecks or bank accounts. Come on. All right, one more. Like Jesus, I prosper in all my relationships. All right, one more. One more for good measure. I walk in ever-increasing health. Awesome. That's awesome. Do you know we can't change our life without changing the way that we talk? That's something that I learned through this, this positivity feast, negativity fast. If we don't change the way that we talk about ourselves and about situations, then our life's not going to change. And we're in it for life change. We want our life to change every day, right? All right, we're going to look at Jesus doing this. So one more long story. Matthew 4. All right, we have one minute and 24 seconds. 
Okay, Matthew 4. We're going to start at the beginning, go through this quickly. So you might know the story. This is when Satan is kind of tempting Jesus. So that's your context. So then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So out of place where his circumstances aren't great. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he'd answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you unless you, lest you strike your foot against the stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to the very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said, be gone, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So multiple times, the enemy's coming at Jesus with lies, coming at him with untruths, coming at him with untruths. And Jesus is talking his way out of it. He's saying, no, this is the truth. This is the truth. This is the truth. And so we're going to be in these situations. Imagine if we're in this situation where we're experiencing all these lies coming at us from the enemy, and we're at a place where we're hungry, where we're weak, where we're tired, where we're lonely, where we're sad, where we're discouraged. We have to be able to know these truths in our heart and in our mind so deeply that we can just fight back the enemy with that. That's what it, how we take every thought captive, and we have the power to demolish strongholds. So this is what this process looks like for me as we finish up. So something happens when I act or I respond in a way that's not congruent with what I know my, my identity to be. So a situation happens, a circumstance happens, and I am discouraged about it, or I, I have insecurity, or I have a negative reaction, or maybe I'm unloving, or I'm fearful. Anything, any way that I respond that isn't in, in the way that, the identity that Jesus has given us. So then I begin to search for the root of it and identify it. So if, I, so if I respond in a way of like insecurity, I try to find, okay, what does that insecurity come from? Do I not realize that this is true? Do I not realize that this is true about these relationships? What's going on? So we're finding the root. We're digging down to the root of it. And then we reject the lie by deciding to disengage with that thought. We're deciding this is not true, disengaging right there with that thought, with that root. And then, or maybe it's a feeling. We're disengaging with that feeling. Just because we're feeling it doesn't mean that it's true. And then we're engaging with the truth of our identity. So when we're doing this, if we, as we're like reflecting on this stuff in our life, where can we grow? Where are these lies that we need to find the root of? If we can think of any area of our life or any problem that's not glistening with hope, then we must be believing a lie. If there's any circumstance that we can't see hope in it, then we're believing a lie somewhere. And so that's, when, that's, how, that's where we can start. Those are great things to look at. So, to recap the three things, we want to align our thoughts and opinions with God's. To find his realities, recognize what those are and what are not his realities. And then we want to take every thought and figure out the ones that aren't in line with him. And then replace those by pushing in more truth that kicks out the lie. So when we live this out, this is what it looks like. We stop taking our circumstances as who we are or as who God is. And we learn to see our circumstances as a way to understand who God is and who we are instead. Moment by moment, we're doing this. And we're all in the process. This is a process that I'm in. This is the process that Van is still in. We're all learning at this and we're all growing. So there's times that we're like in attention of like, oh man, I know this is true, but how, why, am I, why am I forgetting this about myself, you know? And, but it's going to change our lives. There's no way that it's not going to change our lives. So I'm just going to end with this verse in John 1, 16. For from, for from his fullness, we have received all grace upon grace. So we have Jesus' fullness as our reality. And as we begin to step into this, there's grace to meet us where, in wherever we're stepping into this. So I'm just going to pray really quick. Is that cool? All right. Yeah, God, thank you for this series and for everyone that's gotten to grow in these truths about who we are. And we just thank you that you're just lavishingly giving us more revelation and understanding 
of who you are and who we are. Yeah, and we just receive a just any new insight you want to give us right now, we just receive those from you. And we just ask you to highlight things that um, aren't glistening with hope in our lives, that you want to bring hope to. Yeah, and we just agree that we're on this process with you every day. And we just declare that our life isn't not going to change because of what you're doing in it. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So there's a, there's a couple resources up here. I think some of your leaders will have some too, but... Um, oh, wait, do all leaders have them? I don't know. There's a few... Oh, yeah, let me talk about those really quick. So there's this little pamphlet up here, and I was talking about learn, like looking in Scripture to understand some of what God thinks. Um, but this is an awesome pamphlet that just has a list of different truths um, and then little scripture references for where to find them. And, so, and these are declarations. Like, you can just say all these about yourself every single day. And then there's another sheet of um, different declarations, too, that I really like from Stephen Wendy Backlund. So these, there's um, a lot of resources up here, too, that you can grab. Yay. Awesome. Thank you, Amanda. All right, we're going to uh, go to our groups now. So uh, go and enjoy your time together. Pray, minister to each other. Your leaders have these. They will pass these out to you in your group. And uh, let's try to be back here at a quarter after so we can have some really um, intense Holy Spirit present worship before we go home tonight.